Father, thank you for your word and for the way that you teach it and bring it available and make it available to us. We ask, Father, that as we study this important parable, that we would allow the Holy Spirit to show us what type of soil we are and allow him to put away the various things that might be in our soil so that he can build fertile soil that you can implant your word into that can grow and have the fruit that you say it can have a hundred or sixty or thirty fold. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so what, what have we been talking about and dealing with the last, I don't know, probably the last part of this year, <laughs> since the first of the year? We've been looking at spiritual growth, right? And we've said that God has given us all that we need to grow spiritually. We said that he has given us the Holy Spirit indwelling us if we've trusted Jesus to be our Savior. We said that he gave us his word, the Bible, which instructs us in how to do things, not what to do, but how to do them. And then he gave us <coughs> four positions in the church, the body of Christ, that teach us and communicate his word to us. And so the Holy Spirit is our teacher. The communicators are those who explain and identify what God has said. And if they do their job right, you will then see God's word rather than see like the person's perspective or viewpoint on it, um, which is why we try to just give you what it says and not spend a lot of time going, well, it could be this, it could be that. What do you think about this? How do you feel about this or that? So the focus of our study series has been on growing spiritually, and the last mini-series in this larger series that we did focused on what are the hindrances to us growing spiritually. What keeps us from growing spiritually? And we saw in that, in that little mini-series that we can either, in any given moment, walk by means of the Spirit or walk by means of the flesh. And that spiritual growth, this is the second thing that we saw in the last few weeks here, the spiritual growth is based on how you walk. If you want to grow spiritually, you have to walk spiritually. If you want to add more muscle to your body, you have to exercise the muscles. Uh, You won't get more muscle without exercising the muscle. So if we try to exercise the human spirit by doing things that don't exercise it, then it's not going to grow or work. So the question that comes up then is, what actually is it that grows the spirit? How do, you, how do you exercise the spirit that God generated alive in you when you believed in Jesus Christ to be your Savior? And the Holy Spirit works with your human spirit, and this is what you need to recognize. One thing that separates Christianity from every other religious system because in, in true Christianity, if it's legitimately, biblically-based Christianity, it's not a religion. It's a relationship with the God of the universe. And one of the things that separates us out as believers is that the Bible doesn't say, okay, now in order for you to go to heaven, you have to do these things, say these things, be the right person, all the rest of it. It says, in fact, that you cannot do those things, but in fact, that God has to work in you and through you And as you allow him to work, he changes you and does all the work to let his character come from inside of you to the outside. And one of the reasons that we fail so drastically to grow spiritually is because we tend to think that exercising the spirit, walking by the spirit, means doing things, good things we like to call them. But the reality is that we do not exercise the Spirit by doing good things.
Notice the lowercase s here. I'm talking about the human spirit, the one that was generated in you at the moment of salvation. We do not exercise the human spirit by doing quote, unquote, good things. The focus of most Christianity today is religious in this way, meaning that it's about ritual. Do the right things, read your Bible, pray, go to church, all the rest of that. And all those things should be a part of your life as a believer in Christ, but not because that's what makes you a Christian, not because that's what gets you to heaven, because it doesn't, but all those things should be a part of your life as a result of one specific thing. And that one thing deals with how you actually exercise the Spirit in you. We exercise the Spirit not by doing, but by trusting what is true. Exercising the Spirit, walking by Spirit, growing spiritually requires us only to trust to depend upon God and what he says. That's the difference between a religion and a relationship. We said in our last series that at any given moment that you are alive and existing in this day or the next day, that you are either spiritually operating or operating from the flesh. And the spiritual operation means that you're depending upon God, trusting what he says and who he is, rather than trusting what the flesh says and suggests to you. And so it's not about doing what we would call good things. If we are trusting God and following him, what is the result of that? Do we do righteous things or unrighteous things if we're following God? Righteous things, right? We should be pretty clear on that one, right? So if we want to do what's right, should we focus on doing what's right? or trusting who is right. When we trust, it changes our thought process, and God works through our dependency upon him to change what we're doing. It's of obedience to him. It's not, okay, I need to love my neighbor as myself, so I'm going to go find my neighbor, and I'm going to give him a cheesecake, because that's what I like to eat, and that's loving them. It's not a matter of, okay, I need to pray constantly throughout the day and just forget work, forget school, I'm praying and how can anyone be mad at me for that? No, we have responsibilities still. We exercise the spirit by trusting what is true and what is it that is true? God and his word. His word is true because he is true. Because God is righteous, because God is love, because he's omniscient, knows all things, what he says is true, is true, and what he says is false, is false. And so we can trust his word because we can trust him. And if we're trusting him, then we're gonna be obeying his word because we're following what he says, not just in the pages of his word, but in the relationship we have with the Holy Spirit. Remember what we say, that God gave to us to help us grow spiritually. The Holy Spirit indwelling us to teach us, to guide us into what? Truth. So that we may then depend upon truth and follow God. 
And so we're not going to deal with doing good things as a part of spiritual growth. Spiritual growth, if you're truly growing spiritually, you will do righteous things as a result. But that's not, that's not what you do in order to grow spiritually. That's the result of you trusting God. He grows you spiritually. And the, this next series that we're looking at here, What Type of Dirt Are You?, deals with soil and seed sowing, planting a seed. This is a parable called the parable of the sower. Jesus gave this parable, and we're going to see a little bit about parables. We're going to see a little bit um, also that your ability to understand God's word is based on the type of dirt you are. Now, before you get upset with me for calling you dirt, I want to be clear about something. We, as humans, were created from what? Dirt, right? Remember we talked about dating relationships. We, we it gave the, the ladies a fun question. Ladies, what are men? Men are dirt. And then while they reveled and enjoyed that, we said to the men, men, what are women made from? The rib. What was the rib made of? Dirt. So women are dirt. We're all from dirt. We're all equal, all right? Okay, now I don't want you to think that because we're made from dirt, our bodies are at least as humans originally, that that means we have no value. Because God sent his son to die on the cross for a lot of dirt. But it wasn't the dirt, it wasn't the body he was here to preserve, it was the soul. It was the unique essence that we have, the being that we are. And so we're not dealing with dirt in the sense of creation and that the human body, was, when God created Adam, he formed it out of the dust of the ground. We're not dealing with that concept of dirt. Dirt here refers to your willingness to accept God and his word. We call it positive volition, meaning that you are choosing that whatever God says, whatever he tells you is right, true, wrong, false, what you need to change, what, he needs to let, what you need to let go of in your life, that all that, whatever he says, you're good with. You're positive to him. Now, the opposite of that would be negative. So you say no. <laughs> so I'll, I'm going to try not to use the term positive volition in here, but if I do, what I'm talking about is that you are willing and open to 100% of the way do exactly what God says. That's positive volition. You're willing to choose to follow him wherever he goes, whatever he says. Now, if you're willing to, to follow him somewhere, but not somewhere else, that's negative volition. That's really, you just want to go where you want to go, and you're okay if God takes you to the place that you like. For years, I've said that I'm basically on my way to Alaska. I want to go to Alaska. I want to hunt in Alaska. I want to preach in Alaska. I want to teach in Alaska. I want to have a cabin in Alaska. It'd be fantastic. And if God says, go to Alaska, where do you think I'm going to go? Alaska. Now, I don't want to go to Illinois. But if God says, go to Illinois, and I'm not willing to go, then am I really willing to do what God wants? No. That means that I'm actually holding back my, my free will from him. I'm not submitting it to him entirely. I have to be willing to go wherever he says to go and do whatever he says to do. So what we're going to see in this series is that your ability not to do God's word, but to understand God's word, is based on the type of dirt you are. And the dirt refers to your willingness to hear his word and trust his word. 
And we'll see that there's four different types of dirt in this series. We'll get to the dirt more next week. What I want to point out this week, though, as we begin this series, uh, is take a look, open your Bibles to Matthew 13, 3 to 4. Jesus is speaking here. I know it's up on the board, and I do that so that I can write on top of it for us. Uh, if there's something I want to elaborate on or give more detail on, but I would encourage you to open your Bibles up every time we're here. And if you have a Bible, to bring your own Bible. If you don't have a Bible, we, ha- we can get you a Bible if you want one. Uh, but we also have loaner Bibles in the back shelf. Um, please don't steal the Bible. It's not in the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not steal. It is in the Ten Commandments. Not just the Bible specifically, right? It's generic. What's that? Yeah, it, typically, typically we lose a few here and there. Uh, I just found a couple in the, uh, on the stage in the church, in the auditorium. And I was like, how did these get here? But whatever, they're there. Um, I got, probably should have just brought them back. But, so if you have a Bible, bring it with you. It's always good to be familiar with your Bible. Um, if you don't, we borrow one. Um, we do say no to the Bible apps, not because they're inconvenient, they're super convenient, I know, but because it's way too easy to pull your phone out and be like, oh yeah, Matthew 13, three, cool. Ding, oh look, Facebook notification. Oh look, Instagram. Oh look, Snapchat. Oh look, Marco Polo. Someone is circumnavigating the globe or something. I don't know. So, so we, do, we do ask that you try not to use your phones once we pray in until we pray out. But Matthew 13, three to four, look at in the Bible that's in front of you. And uh, this is a parable called the parable of the sower. It's in three of the four gospels. It's recorded in three of the four gospels. Um, so if you want to get a, a more full picture of this parable, you can look at all three. Uh, it's in Matthew, it's in Luke, and it's in Mark. For some reason, John did not record this parable. But the, the trouble with parables is that the, Jesus doesn't always explain them to us. And there's a reason for that. But one of the reasons I like this parable is because he explains it to his disciples, which means we can look at what he says and we understand it then. So here's the parable of the sower. It says, Jesus went out to the house and was sitting by the sea, and great multitudes gathered to him. So he got into a boat and sat down. The whole multitude, a large crowd, was standing on the beach. So he's in a boat. There's a big crowd on the beach, and he's speaking to them. And he spoke many things to them, but he spoke to them in parables. And one of the, th- the parables that he spoke was the parable of the sower we're looking at, saying, Behold, the sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, in case you're not sure, sowed means to plant seed, right? To put it in the ground, not to like sow a dress. As he planted seed, as he put seed into the ground, some seeds fell beside the road, and the birds came and ate them up. In verse 5, and others fell upon the rocky places where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up because they had no depth of soil. But when the sun had risen, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And others fell among the thorns, and the thorns came up and choked them out. And others fell on the good soil and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. And there's there's this phrase in verse 9, that says, he who has ears, let him hear. And that phrase pops up in a lot of places where Jesus speaks in parables. We're going to explain that phrase along the way. Um, notice, though, it says he spoke to them many things in parables. Well, a parable there we go. 
A parable is a story that teaches a spiritual message through human experience, right? We, we live in an agricultural area, a valley, that produces lots of different crops. And when they plant, we can watch them go out and sow seed, put it into the ground. And typically there's machines that do this now. That's helpful to us as humans. But we can watch them sow seed. We can watch uh, like apple orchards over a few years. The, the trees get bigger. They start producing fruit. And then we watch the whole process year in and year out. I live across from an apple orchard. And every year they come out, they prune the apples. They fumigate the apples. They put some pesticides on them. And then they let them grow and they continue to take care of them along the way. And then when it's harvest time, there's a bunch of people come out. They got big old crates. They drop a bunch of apples in a crate. Then they bring all these semi-trucks in, they take the semi-trucks out with apples, and they go to the warehouse, the warehouse cleans them, inspects them, and then they go to the stores. And then they prune the orchards again at the end, and they're ready to go the next year. <laughs> it's an amazing process, but it happens every year over and over and over again. So this is a human experience that we can, especially us in Yakima Valley, can understand and experience as we look around. And it's one of the things that Jesus used as a human experience to teach a spiritual message. What that means is there's a hidden message in this parable. But the message isn't hidden in like a way that we can use a code to sort it out. This, parables can be understood only by the Spirit. Only from understanding them spiritually. Because they're talking and teaching about a spiritual message. And so there's a few things to look at with, with parables. We're going to ask you the question, what type, of, what type of dirt are you? And there's four types you can be. Again, this talks about your willingness to accept what God says as true. You can be the roadside soil, you can be the rocky soil, the thorny soil, or good soil. And we'll deal with it soil types more next week. Um, but, but check this out. Look at what's going on in this, in this parable. He gives a parable, and what we've realized and we find is that Jesus at many times spoke in parables, but he did so knowing that many people hearing them would not understand those messages. Jesus was teaching a spiritual message to people he knew would not understand it. So the question then comes up, oh, here's the verses that talk about that. Matthew 13, 10 to 11. And the disciples came and said to him, why do you speak to them in parables? Jesus answers to them, to you, his disciples, it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been granted. There's a reason for that we're not gonna get into in this series. Jesus knew that some would not understand the spiritual message taught by that human experience or that human story. But here's what he said. Matthew 13, 13, he says, Therefore I speak to them in parables, because while seeing, they do not see, and while hearing, they do not hear, and not do they, or nor do they understand. So this story about the sower, you can look at someone sowing seed and you can go, what on earth does this have to do with God and his word? What does this have to do with me? The story that Jesus talks about, a sower went out to sow seed, and some seed fell on this, and some seed fell on that, and some seed fell on this, and then some seed fell in a good soil and it grew. If that's all you see in the story, you don't understand a thing about it, right? And it's one of the reasons I'm glad Jesus explains the story to us. So here's the question. Why didn't Jesus just change the message or the way he told the spiritual message so that those who didn't understand 
would understand. Have you ever thought about that? Jesus spoke things in parables knowing that many would not understand, but he still spoke to them in parables. Why didn't he change what he was doing? If he wants people to understand, shouldn't he then communicate to them in a way that they can understand? Well, here's your answer. The problem was not with the hearer, or was with the hearer, not with the message. Meaning that even if he had spelled it out for them, they wouldn't have understood the message. Because the problem was within them, their soil. They were types of dirt that would reject what God had to say, period. He could have flat out told them, hey, this is what I mean. And they would have picked up stones to go and stone him. They wouldn't have accepted what he said. And so the problem we find with the word of God is not what God has said or what the pastor or the teacher communicates about what he has said. The problem is with each of us in our soil. Are we willing to accept what God says in his word 100% completely all of it or only the parts that we like? And if it's only the parts that we like, then guess what? We're not positive to God. We're not willing to let him control our thought process and our life and everything else. We still want what we want, and we call that the flesh. The flesh pursues what it wants. What does the flesh do? It keeps us from growing spiritually. And so as Jesus taught, we have to deny ourselves and what we want, pick up our cross, which means associate ourselves as dead to ourselves, and then follow him. Not letting the flesh tell us what to do. So why didn't Jesus just change the message so that those who didn't understand would? Because the problem was with them hearing his words, not with the message he was saying. Matthew 13, 14 to 15. Jesus is still speaking here. He says, in their case, <clears throat> in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is being fulfilled, which says, you will keep on hearing but will not understand. And you will keep on seeing, but will not perceive. For the heart of this people has become dull, and with their ears they scarcely hear, and their eyes have clo- and they have closed their eyes, lest they should see with their ears, with their eyes, hard to see with your ears either way. They, sh- they have closed their eyes, lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and return, and I should heal them. What does he, he say? He says he would heal them if they would what? Open their eyes, open their ears, and become more sensitive in their heart. And we're going to deal with each of those three things right here. Jesus says the people didn't understand the message because of a dull heart, ears that they have that scarcely heard, and eyes that are closed. All of those things, if you think about it, have a negative stance towards God. If you have not been obeying your parents, if you've been talking back to them, if you've not been cleaning your room and doing your chores, doing your homework, uh, you've been kind of in a bad mood and you're taking it out on them, and then your friend calls and like, hey, see if you can come over. And you're like angry at your parents or whatever, but all of a sudden you're like, oh, okay, you know, um, mom, dad, can I go to my friend's house? <laughs> and they're like, no, you no, 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 no. And at that point you tuned them out anyway, right? Like, you, you've created a negative response because of your actions. And so their, their response is, whatever you say, I don't want it. Uh, no, 
You can't do that. <laughs> That's wrong in them. Parents should not be negative. We should all be positive, but not positive toward one another, positive toward God. Willing to do what God says first and foremost. But we create dull hearts in others by our actions, and they respond to our actions by making their heart less sensitive. We're going to deal with that. I don't mean like emotional sensitivity here. We've got to deal with what the heart is, and we're going to deal with that just a second here. But the dull heart, the ears that scarcely hear, and the eyes that are closed, those are all based upon your own personal pers- response to information and to what's going around you. If someone's being a jerk to you, you're going to be negative toward them if you follow your sin nature. You're not going to like them. You're going to dislike them and what they're doing, and you're gonna probably going to talk about them and be upset with them and all the rest of it, and it's just going to be a problem. And that's called flesh, the sin. Nature working in you. Now, Jesus said that these people couldn't understand the message that he gave because of a dull heart, ears that scarcely hear, and eyes that are, are shut. Now, here's where the dull heart comes in. The heart is where we store our norms and standards. You've heard me say that before time and time again. Those are your beliefs, the things that you depend upon to be true, that you accept for yourself as okay in your life. They're your beliefs and the things that you accept in your life. And a dull heart is one that has been thickened up and made fat by worthless norms and standards. Now, where did I pull that from? Well, let's go take a look at this verse. That word in bold, the word dull, means to make fat. And so literally, for the heart of this people has been made fat. Do you know what the heart is supposed to do? Have you guys taken biology at all? Okay, what's the heart's main job? Pump blood. <laughs> Nailed it. Very good. <laughs> All right. You get an A plus on that question. All right. Ten, 10 out of 10. The heart's job is to pump blood. What happens if the heart starts building up fat upon it? With enough fat, the heart can't do its work and work the way it's designed. If you add the fat to the muscle of the heart it will actually make the heart have to work harder, be stressed more, and then ultimately it's going to become a decaying process on your heart. Now, we have medicine these days that helps remove fat from the heart specifically, from the outside of the heart and the arteries of the heart. But this word dull here means to make fat. Fat is worthless, with one exception. Fat's like the WD-40 for your body. You know what WD-40 is? No? Okay. Um, So WD-40 is like the go-to for any father. In fact, Father's Day present, WD-40. I'm just telling you, get the biggest can you can. It it works great. Try to avoid the ones with the little flip top thing because they don't work that well. They usually leak. Um, But but WD-40, basically it acts as a lubricant. And so you can spray it on like any metal part that doesn't move and it will typically start moving pretty quickly. And so it's like this magical device, like whoosh, <sighs> it worked. Um, so WD-40 is always good. But fat, basically what it does is it lubricates your brain cells, your neurons, so that they can function smoothly. <laughs> so we need some fat, but we need certain types of fat and good fat. That aside, I'm not a nutritionist. I know one if you want one. The word dull here means to make fat. And the place where they store their beliefs, what, they, what, the, what Jesus is saying here, for the heart of this people has become dull, he's saying their norms and standards have been made fat. They have worthless 
norms and standards that have made them then insensitive to what is true and what's right. What they should have functioning in their heart, the word of God, what God says, isn't there. Their heart's been made dull. So when we look at a dull heart, it's one that's been thickened up or made fat by worthless norms and standards. In other words, human perspective. The flesh's teaching and viewpoint in the norms and standards. The other aspect, we've got the ears and the eyes still, the ears that scarcely hear. Ears the sense used to hear the word of God when it's taught, right? You guys should get that right now. I'm speaking to you, you are hearing words, and your ears are the way where you're doing that. Everyone got that? Biology taken care of? Good. So what do ears do? They hear things, okay? And then they turn that hearing into a vibrational signal in your eardrum. Then that turns into electrical signal and goes into your brain, and your brain brings it to the front side and the left side, and it tells you information. You're like, oh, I heard words. And then, okay, I'm not going to give the rest of the neurological connections there because there's like four other areas over here, and then it goes over here. It's just a lot of fun. Um, and ladies, you have one area over here that's really, really large that makes you guys talk a lot more than us. Um, yeah, you guys have a, a, a larger social cortex. Yeah, so it, it's called, actually, your left and right brains, they, they talk to each other more than the guys do. Guys are like right brain at one point and the left brain at the next point, like on-off kind of thing. You guys typically cross back and forth way more. It, it's just one of the things that makes you guys women. I mean, well... Uh, Falling of shiny objects. <laughs> oh, look at that. Oh, look at that. Oh, hey, look. Okay, moving on. I wonder if perhaps I've picked up a little bit of that cross talk because I talk a lot and I'm shiny and following some things. So here's, here's what this phrase means, though. Ears that scarcely hear are ears that have a difficult time accepting what they hear. This is typically the result of an attitude towards something. We call it skepticism. I don't really trust that. I don't know if that's true. I heard a story yesterday about a moose hunter who at eight yards had this huge moose and he was a, an archery hunter. He was eight yards away. He was stand, the moose was standing directly at him and he pulled his arrow back. He was ready to let that arrow fly and right when he released the arrow, the moose went like, Mah! made the little moose call and that arrow they've got on video goes right down its mouth. Like it, you see this moose like, Mah! arrow goes in. The arrow, like the fletchings, the little part on the back, the feathers on the back go into the mouth and moves like, and then it turns tail and runs, right? It lived, okay? So it's the story, but the story is, it's a 16-minute story, and the whole time I'm going, I don't know if this is true, but then guess what? He's like, oh, and here's the video. I'm like, oh, okay, I can believe this now. It's easier to believe because it's hard to believe if someone shot an arrow down the mouth of a, or mouth of a moose and just like, yeah, and walked away. Actually, he, he, the moose went like 500 yards. He went up a hill, down a hill, and then he like pulled a Jonah out of the whale. Okay, if you know that story. Jonah flew out of the mouth of the whale, right? He threw up. Yeah, I regurgitated. Take, that's the nice word. And we call it bad sick in my house. He got bad sick. Um, and he threw that arrow up <laughs> and just was alive the next month. So anyway, that, that was a hard story to believe. It's difficult to hear. And had the guy not had the evidence in video, I would have been like, eh, I don't know, dude. That's pretty tough to believe. How many things have to be lined up perfectly for that arrow when it's released to go right down the windpipe of that moose? How did that moose live? 
it was not its time. I, I don't, I don't know. Hard to believe, right? That's the point. Now, yeah, it goes around the front. Yeah, yeah, I've told you that one too. Um, so ears that scarcely hear are ears that have a difficult time accepting truth. Now, this one's not because it's like, well, that's really far-fetched. Like, that's really weird that that even could happen with the moose thing. This is because of an attitude of distrust towards someone else. And so the ears that scarcely hear deal with not accepting truth. They, they have a difficult time, and the word scarcely means to have difficulty with from the Koine Greek. The last thing, eyes that are closed, um, this one's pretty simple. When you shut your eyes, you can't see what's happening around you. Unless you're peeking or doing one of these things, which is fun to do with kids. But eyes that are closed, and the, the meaning of this phrase in here, are eyes that have been shut down to see so that they do not accept what is clearly right in front of their face. They don't want to see what's true and accepted. Now in each of these areas, there's one thing that's not being accepted, and that's the question we have for you. What is it that the dull heart, the ears that are, that are having difficulty hearing, and the eyes that are closed, what is it that, that is not being accepted by them? Well, in this parable, we're going to see that it's the Word of God. It's what God says. And when I use the phrase Word of God, typically that refers to the Bible, right? Because this is the Word of God. It's God's Word written down. But I'm talking about everything that God has revealed to us. And so in this time, this was not written down. They had some of the Old Testament that was passed around to the Jewish synagogues, but this, the stuff that we have today written down, that came when people wrote about like this parable. <laughs> they couldn't have read this parable while Jesus was saying this parable, right? So the word of God doesn't just mean the Bible in this, in this passage. It refers to everything that God has said. Now everything that God wants us to know is recorded in here, and he has done the work to preserve it. But the question about the heart, the ears, and the eyes deals with what's not being accepted, and it's the word of truth, God's word, what he says. So we're going to get to the types of dirt next week, but I want you to start thinking about what type of dirt are you? What is your attitude towards God and what he says? Are you willing to go along with it when you agree with it? Are you willing to go along with it when you disagree with it? Do you just flat out think it's myth? Those are all questions you're going to have to answer for yourself. But the state of soil that you have when you look at God's word and read his word and are taught his word, will determine whether or not you'll understand his word. If you don't want to understand what he says, you can keep that from happening by having a certain type of soil. And we'll look at those types of soil next week. Let's pray. Father, thank you for all that you've done for us, for the way that you give us everything that we need. And if we'll just choose to trust you and depend upon you and those things that you provide to us, that we'll be able to grow spiritually and see those things working in our life. Thank you for those who can be here in this moment, for the way that you knew where they would be in this place in time. May we see you at work in each of us. In Jesus' name, amen.